Today on CityCast Pittsburgh, over the past couple of weeks, I've seen blue and yellow Ukrainian flags everywhere, hanging in homes, even draped over the shoulders of protesters walking down the streets. This war has divided nations, it's separated families, but it has brought together two women from opposite sides of the battle with one similar goal. It's Wednesday, March 2nd. I'm Morgan Moody, and this is CityCast Pittsburgh. I'm with Anastasia Gorlova and Karina Shevchenko. Now, a week ago, you two had never met. Anastasia, you go by Anna to Americans like me. You're Russian. Yes, I am. And Karina, you're from Ukraine. Yes. Um, but last week, you found each other on Facebook and ended up planning Pittsburgh's first big protest against the war in support of the Ukrainian people. I know you both have talked a lot about that. So let's go back in time a little bit. What brought each of you to the States? And very specifically, I guess, what brought you to Pittsburgh? Karina, let's start with you. Uh, my husband and I, we moved to Pittsburgh in February 2016. Uh, basically, uh, we were like trying to figure out ways how to, you know, like maybe try a better life, you know, like more stable because starting from uh, 2014 was all those like revolutions in Ukraine. It wasn't very calm, you know, like we were, we were there on the Maidan back in 2014 and um it felt like we're like living on a roller coaster like every day is is different you know every day is a surprise in a bad sense i mean there was no stability several major banks went bankrupt we had money in those banks and we're like we were trying to think and then we had the opportunity to uh, get the green card here. So back in 2016, we moved here in Pittsburgh, uh, to Pittsburgh as green card holders. Uh, and we love it so far. Why, why Pittsburgh specifically? Actually, we were thinking about several cities in the United States, the cities where I had my friends or someone who could help me, could help me like you know, like survive for several months, maybe, you know, like or could help me with some information. And we were thinking about Kansas City because I have another friend there, Pittsburgh and Sacramento, because there is a huge Ukrainian diaspora there. And uh, we decided to come in Pittsburgh because it's like closer to, you know, like <laughs> Europe, more like more relatively closer, you know. And uh, we, we were just Googling. We were reading about those cities and Pittsburgh appeared to be you know, like the best city, like to to us, and that's why we try to come here. And Anna, what brought you to the states and to Pittsburgh specifically? I know you're from you're from Russia. So um, I came here in 2014, August 2014, uh, and I came here for grad school. So um, I graduated from college in May 2014, and I um, my my degree was in biology. And you know, uh, back then and still now, um, it's pretty tough to find a job in sciences in Russia that's well funded. So, you know, I kind of wanted to continue my education and continue doing science. So I applied to several graduate schools in the United States and Pittsburgh was one of uh, one of the few that accepted me. So um, but it is kind of a funny story because when I was uh, when I was getting my visa and 
doing an interview at the uh, U.S. Embassy in Moscow, the officer just looked at me with like complete bewilderment and like asked me why Pittsburgh and I was like I was 20 or 21 at the time I was like I don't know like because because <laughs> that was pretty much you know one of the few options but um yeah so I didn't really I I have never been to the states before uh before I came here um but yeah it's been it's been great so far and don't worry I feel like people who aren't even from, you know, from outside this country, anybody that moves into Pittsburgh, the question is always why. So (laughs) (laughs) and I think especially, you know, especially during that time when uh, Pittsburgh was like a little bit less known, I think now where there's so much, you know, development and people moving here. But back back in the day, was it wasn't quite (laughs) well known as much. And do uh, and do you still have family in Russia, family and friends in Russia? Yeah, I have. I have my mom, my dad, my brother live live there. And what about you, Karina? Do you still have family and friends in Ukraine? Yes, I still have friends and family in Ukraine. My parents, unfortunately, they passed away, but I have two brothers and I have four nephews there. I have lots of relatives there. I have lots of friends. Uh, I was born in Krivirik. That's the central part of Ukraine. And uh, from 2006 until uh, 2016, I have been living in Kiev, working, living there. And that's why I have a lot of friends from Kiev who are like reporting me on today's situation who are texting me you know like and uh, they're like trying to highlight the situation what's what's happening now and it's it's heartbreaking it's like I can't I cannot read those posts those news without crying this is this is scary I can't imagine yeah how are your friends and family doing there are they are they safe uh, the p- people who are from Krivery, from central part, they are like relatively safe. But uh, starting yesterday, they started to have those uh, air sirens, you know, that they should hide in the shelters or underground. So th- this only started happening yesterday. But friends in Kiev, it's the six days, uh, day when they're like um, staying overnight in those shelters or subway stations. This is pretty scary, and they're like sending me the pictures of those shelters, and basically those are just cold walls, and they're sleeping on the ground. There's no water there. Like they have to bring water. I mean, I don't know. I don't know like how to describe my feelings. It's it's hard. It's hard. <laughs> it's hard to see to those pictures. And Karina, were you friends, or did you have a lot of like Russian immigrant friends before the tensions started to kind of ramp up? You know, were they willing to talk about that? What's going on in Ukraine? Um, I tried to talk to them and like some of them, they said that, you know, people are having different opinions, but we don't want our friendship, you know, like to be ruined by someone's views. And so we just, you know, like tried not to talk, but they're like good people, good friends. So uh, I didn't I didn't want to you know like break our friendship because of those views so i we didn't talk much about that but when everything uh happened you know like starting happened this cold period you know like two weeks before the invasion so we started talking more and they started asking like how do i feel and i started you know like openly tell them about my position about the aggression about the invasion that it's not right the propaganda that they were hearing all these eight years 
And some of them, they were agreeing. Some of them, they were just saying, okay, like we heard you. I mean, nothing, nothing major. Like dismissive. Yes. But when the invasion started, a couple of my friends from Russia, they actually attended that vigil on uh, Thursday and on Sunday. And Anna, does talking about Russia in this way, like, does does this worry you at all? You know, knowing that that like being able to be critical of your home country. I mean, it is scary. Um I, I'm not really afraid for myself. Like, I feel like I'm, I'm in a such privileged position. I feel like I have so much support here in Pittsburgh. I have, uh, you know, American friends and family and co-workers reach out to me all the time asking if I'm doing well, if my family needs any support. So I feel like it's kind of my moral duty to speak out now on behalf of people who can't, you know, express their feelings freely um, living in Russia. So, you know, my fa- my family who, who lives in Russia, they're afraid to go out to the streets. Um, they're afraid to lose their income. They're afraid to, you know, get beaten up by, you know, by, by the police. So my brother, um, I talked to him this, this morning. He is a small business owner. Just this morning, he was telling me that, you know, the cost of supplies went up 50% overnight. So there's wow. a lot of uncertainty, um, you know, because of the uh, economic sanctions there. I mean, Russian ruble uh, basically, you know, just tanked overnight. Um, the exchange rates are completely insane. So I'm trying to figure out a way to, you know, to send money from here to there and seeing if that's even going to work. So yeah, there's a lot of things that are happening that are also, you know, will be hurting Russian citizens as well. So it's not like this war is benefiting anyone, really. Yeah, Karina, was it surprising to you at all to meet someone like Anna, who has been so willing to talk about what's going on and engage in this topic? It was. It was really surprising. I didn't expect the person from Russia first organized this uh, rally in Pittsburgh, you know, like, I mean, that was unbelievable. At first, you know, like, seeing that propaganda, you know, like, and hearing about all that stuff about um, uh, doing this uh, informational war, I mean, Russia, you know, like, groups, troops, whatever. And first I thought, oh, maybe that's, you know, like, there is something wrong here. I need to check. So I immediately, I just wanted to hear her voice. You know, like, I believed her. I trusted. I started trusting her immediately, you know, like, so I knew that was the person who, from Russia, who just wanted to believe in, you know, like, truly reality she she really thinks it's a war because like the majority of russians even here they still believe that russia helps ukraine uh i don't know like with what they're like helping i have no idea what kind of help they're like doing in ukraine these days but they still believe that russia is helping ukraine and this is the west that started the war that's not russia who started the war so that's why, like, I'm so active, proactive, talking to people about the current situation, explaining that there is a propaganda. You have to be careful. You have to be selective. Which news you are listening to, what people you are talking to, what people are telling you. Was it always like this? Like, in the weeks and months leading up to the invasion last week, did you talk to your family about options, like Karina? 
Um, when a U.S. embassy um, announced that all the essential workers should leave the territory of Ukraine, I immediately reached out to my brothers and I said, do you want to leave the country? This is your only opportunity right now. You have to pack your belongings and go to the border with Polish, Poland. And they're like, no, we're not leaving here. The Russians should leave. Like they're like everyone is is saying the same. And even right now, whenever uh, women and children they have opportunity to leave the country, my friends, my friends from Kiev, they are not leaving. They don't want to leave Kiev, even though it's partially destroyed right now. All the infrastructure, hospitals, uh, schools kindergartens, they're targeting the civilians, the, the houses, the buildings, you know, like tall buildings where people live, they cannot live there anymore, but they're still staying there. They don't want to leave the country. They want to support the country. They're, everyone is, uh, you know, like um, going to the defense uh, territory centers, you know, whenever women receive weapons, like real weapons, real guns, and they're protecting their territory, their neighborhood. What about you, Anna? Well, so it's kind of an example of my family. They weren't trying to immigrate here or, you know, come here permanently, but um, because of the long-lasting um, tensions between Russia and the United States, um, the Uni United States had closed most of the consulates and embassies in Russia, so it's pretty much impossible to get an American visa as someone who lives in Russia. So even my parents, like my mom and my dad, they they have daughter in the uh, they have a daughter in the United States. But um, I think um, like it's 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 impossible for them to get a tourist visa to come here. My mom had registered for an interview in Kazakhstan, I think, last year, and she's waiting on her to schedule her interview date that's supposed to come sometime in 2023. So that's just wow. giving you a sense of timeline. Like, it's it's not an easy process, and it's become even more difficult with COVID, and obviously right now it's probably borderline impossible. Yeah, I think it's usually a very difficult process and add in the pandemic and, and now war into that. It just makes it all the more convoluted. Uh, so, Anna, you're Russian. Your family is in Moscow. I imagine that's always felt at least somewhat secure. But Karina, you said you speak Russian. You grew up in the USSR, which is now Ukraine. How is that blending of cultures affecting how you're taking all of this in today? I don't know. I mean, I can talk and talk and talk about this. <laughs> like, I always preferred Russian language. And only right now I understand how important the national identity is. I wish I could realize that years earlier, you know, and spread the word and talk to people, same like me, you know, like, and I have a five-year-old boy who who speaks, I mean, who understands Russian language, he's very fluent in English, but with uh, Ukrainian, it's it's a little bit tougher, you know, because like, I have to translate every second word to him. And I, I started working on that basically one month ago when the tension started to appear and I realized how important to be Ukrainian in heart, you know, like and speak Ukrainian. Language matters. National identity matters. Absolutely. And Anna, 
Were you taught much about Ukraine's place, you know, in history and its relationship with Russia? Um, yeah, well, I had a very good history teacher and, you know, I've always dissociated my identity from, you know, from the government. Like my my Russia is the people, my Russia is the culture, my Russia is, you know, brothers and sisters of Ukrainians and Belarusians and Georgians and all of those people who've, you know, lived in unity for a long time and my biggest message that I want people to to take away from this is that, you know, this is not the war of Russian people against Ukrainian people. This is not the war that people want. This is the war that was waged by one person. It doesn't benefit anyone. And I don't want, you know, I guess ordinary Russians to be punished for, for being from Russia. A lot of people don't support what's what's happening. And like I said earlier, I feel like it's kind of my moral obligation to to do what I can to show support on behalf of people who are afraid to do so. Karina and Anna, thank you so much for your time and um, for sharing your stories with us. Thank you. Thank you, Morgan, for having us. Here's what else is going on in Pittsburgh today. Frida Kahlo is getting the Vincent Van Gogh treatment, only she gets to keep her ear. Lighthouse Art Space features immersive, interactive art exhibits built around entertainment and social causes. The exhibit will include The Two Fridas, The Wounded Deer, and Diego and I. It opens March 26th. And if you're looking for something to do tomorrow, Phipps Conservatory is hosting a virtual behind-the-scenes look at the design process for the new Tropical Forest Hawaii exhibit. Do you guys remember it used to be Cuba? Anyways, you'll be able to hear all about the plants and stories from the curator's research trip to the Big Island. Stories about Hawaii in March, though, seems a little bit cruel for Pittsburghers, but that's just my opinion. That's all for today here on CityCast Pittsburgh. If you're looking for more ways to help Ukraine, we've got a bunch of opportunities and updates in our newsletter. So make sure you're subscribed at pittsburgh.citycast.fm. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. We'll see you then. Why do I, why am I adding words? Okay, the, the new voting map for the U.S. <laughs> okay.